and we're live. Welcome everybody to another great episode of Real Talk. Today, I'm bringing someone that I actually met about six months ago who was doing a lecture in a conference about marketing, digital marketing, and uh, we're really connected to that point. Uh, his name is Graham Kilshaw from Electrix, and uh, his company specializes in electronic components uh, industry, heavily focused on manufa component manufacturers and also distributors and reps. And uh, he's one of thought leaders, a speaker, and some of the industries that I look up to that I learn from every day. And today he's on the Real Talk. So, welcome. Hey, Graham, how are you? Hey, Rob, I'm delighted to be on your show today. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing all this. You know, it's been so good to see you. And uh, now Ooh. we're connecting digitally, the digital age. And I get yep. a little sight how we met the first time we met. And uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we've been connected through the last six months. We've done some things together, you know. And and uh, actually, as I said, your company, is, um, as I said, is very, you know, as I said, you are entwined into the, all the associations, electronic component distribution, manufacturing. Um, and for myself, it's like in our industry as a distributor or in the industry itself, it's creating the awareness out there. And of course, yourself is creating awareness for the marketing and has been really in the trenches from 40 plus years ago. So I really thank you for everything you've done. And I follow you every day. I see your content. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but really. I feel like we're a little connected at the hip on LinkedIn these days. Yeah, right? we are. We are. I know we're remote. I know you're working from remotely. I know if I can see a little, little beach, a little beach house. Are you, where are you at right now? Yeah, I'm on vacation on the New Jersey shore right now. But And um, you're still working. That's a, delight, that's a delighted to take an hour or two away yeah. from the beach and, uh, and have a chat with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much on that. So, I, I mean, I want to start really um, as myself also and probably the audience out there really understand, you know, who is Graham Kilshaw and who is Electrix and the origin of the foundation of that? Sure. Well, I ask myself those questions pretty <laughs> often too. Um, well, but my accent sort of gives me away a little bit, right? So uh, I'm, I'm not from the Jersey Shore. Um, I live outside Philadelphia. I've been in the States 25 years this year. I became a citizen about 15 years ago. Or as I like to tell my buddies, I'm an American by choice. <laughs> <laughs> when they rip me up about being British, I said, well, you know, I'm actually an American by choice. Just our joke. Um, but I came here 25 years ago when I got married. Um, I grew up in Boston, England, which most people have never heard of. Most people are surprised to learn there is a Boston in England. And if you go and spend five minutes on Wikipedia, you'll pretty quickly figure out that's how Boston, Massachusetts got its name. And that's really where the Pilgrim Fathers were imprisoned. And the whole story of America began in Boston, England. And oh. that's my hometown. Oh, yeah. really? I, I mean, that's, I, I did not know the depth of that. But wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a lost piece of history. Um, it's a small town that goes back to about the year 900. Um, I grew up there in the late 60s. Um, and then, you know, post-college moved to London. I worked for a British newspaper called News of the World. Um, right out of college, I uh, had an unusual job. I was a sommelier on a cruise ship called the Sea Princess off the coast of Alaska and San Francisco, and then all down the Pacific. I spent six months as a sommelier. That's my, uh, my, my everybody's got a strange That's job. That's a talent, that huh? Mine. A strange talent? Oh, wow. Now I know when we ever go to a restaurant, who's ordering the wine? Right, right. <laughs> That's a little lost, uh, uh, lost education yeah. gone as well. Yeah. But, um, and then in the early 90s, um, I was hired by Walt Disney Company and um, spent a few years working for the Euro Disney project, um, which later became known as Disneyland Paris. And that's partly how I ended up in the States in New York in the mid nineties. So did you and start then, from the beginning of that? Was that the Disneyland? Was that, uh, was it was it before it was built or were you there while it was? It I joined them. I was, I was actually working for the newspaper for news of the world, okay. which if, if anybody remembers anything about British tabloid newspaper history, this was the newspaper which Rupert Murdoch shut down because the journalists were tapping into people's uh, cell phone voicemail. And it was a it was a terrible thing. Um, they were really, really being bad people. 
And um, so he shut the newspaper down, but it's part of Murdoch's group, The Sun and so on. Mm. Um, and whilst working there, I ran into the guys running the Disney offices in the UK and they said, hey, do you want to come and join us? So I uh, jumped the fence from tabloid newspapers and went to work for Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And then you start, you jump, as they call it, jump over the pond back to the States, ended up in the States, right? Well, that I have to um, thank my beautiful wife for. Um, she was a uh, student work, uh, studying in London, semester abroad, I think they call it. Yeah. And we, we met in a London pub and the rest is history, as they say. Wow. So we, we came back here in 95 and got married. Um, and, and, you know, I left Disney and then a couple of years later, how I got into the electronics industry was my late father-in-law, Robert Goldblum, who passed away just last year. Um, he was one of the first electronics engineers to start to understand this whole world of interference, radio interference, uh, which is now often referred to as electromagnetic interference or EMI. And so while working for GE in Philadelphia on a lot of military projects, um, he started the first publication for the world of radio interference, and it was called ITEM, I-T-E-M. Okay. And that was an acronym that stood for Interference Technology Engineers Master. Because People say to me, where does the word ITEM come from? And um, so in the late 90s, as he retired, um, I bought the publication from him. Always wanted to run my own company, run a small business, and spent the last 20 years really running item. Um, and then five years ago, as we looked at the writing on the wall for how marketing was shifting in the electronics industry and the components industry, we realized we really needed to really make a big change in how we, the model for our business. And out of that, Lectrix was born as essentially a uh, specialist sales and marketing agency for electronics industry and that's how we get here wow there's the story as i said every company has a story every brand has a story and there's a story it's very fascinating i you know i love how everything comes together you know we started in the uk and you know started getting into the journalism side try to get into the publication center and all of a sudden you met, you met your wife there and then you came over and worked for disney and worked for different corporations and, and now you're in the you know look at this 20 something years later you're in your ceo electrics and right. uh, you're the succession, I would say, of item, correct? That's the succession has yeah. come. And, and that's the thing. Every store has a succession. You're the successor of that and really transformed it. So for me, I was, I was fascinated. I've done a lot of history. I've been back. I'm trying to check out, you know, Electrics, what they do in the past. I watch a lot of your videos, a lot of your seminars you put on because you host a lot of things for ERA or ECIA, all the big associations right. for semiconductor companies. And uh, you really lead and a uh, thought leader in that process. And everybody looks at it's As I said, myself looks up to you. I didn't, as I said, I didn't know who you were until you spoke and it's a, at the conference and I'm like wow this he knows what he's he knows what he's doing and I, this is the person I need to connect with this is what I need to do build exposure and it's been so fast thanks bro no it's been fa thank you so much on this but so for electrics let's break that down let's go back to electric sure. so item was from that point so how has item uh from the, the past to the present how has it transformed into electrics and what are the services that you did but in the past and present and for the future moving forward so like a lot of, uh, I hope one day, great businesses, okay. it, it started in a garage um, without going too far back. And I think we've got a photo of that. Yeah, we could put, um, we'll put that up. Yeah. My, my father-in-law started the business in a garage in suburban Philadelphia, mm -hmm. um, moved out of there to various offices around the city. And now Electrics, funnily enough, is located only a half a mile from that garage. So we've kind of gone full circle. But the business is really evolved very much since 71 72 and i think we've also got a picture somewhere of that very first issue published in yeah. 1972 we've still got it we've got to put that um, as well. and we still publish in print as well so it, for for 20 years it was very much a pure trade publisher and, and that's really where i got my experience of the electronics industry and sort of learned to navigate the the whole, I call it the three-legged stool of the component maker, the distributor, and the rep. Mm -hmm. um, but I was only looking at it through the lens of the world of interference yeah, yeah. as we realized that marketing was changing in the electronics industry and we needed to, um, to make some serious changes at item media 
Um, then we started to look outside of interference and started to look at, well, you know, what about all the other verticals? What about all the other um, silos of components um, and test equipment, you know, and materials and services? It's not limited to components. Um, but, you know, you read a lot um, these days about disruption, right, Rob? Yes, I mean, yes. it's everywhere we look, companies are being faced with disruption. Um, I wish I could say it was a conscious decision. Um, it, it wasn't, but we en ended up going through a process of self-disruption. And, and that's a phrase you don't see too much, but if you Google it, you'll find some interesting articles on it. And essentially, rather than wait for the industry to either destroy us or minimize us, we made a proactive choice to sort of tear the company down in about 2016. Um, I was at a point then where it was we had a, we were going to have a changeover of employees, and I took that opportunity rather than having to let a lot of people go. And we're only 15 employees now still, but to take that opportunity for change and go and look for more of that digital marketing skill set mm -hmm. as opposed to the publishing skill set, and then from there it was really the you know the long road to to where we are today, but. You know that that's not something you do overnight. You know, self disruption is is not an easy choice. Um, I have to say, it's been a um, it's been a very tough road the last five years. But one of the key things that I learned from it is, you ever read the book Good to Great? Yes. Um, Fantastic Jim, book. Can't remember his last name now. Who wrote it? Brilliant book. Yes. But chapter one is all about getting the right people on the bus, right? You remember the first chapter of Good to Great? Oh, it's you've got to get the right people, people on the bus. Yes, and it's so so true. Um, I was fortunate to hire a senior team of really great people, and they all come from the electronics industry. And so, without them. Uh, you know, shout out to Jeff and Chris and Michelle in particular. Um, you know, we never ever would have built Electrics to where we are today. And and finally, like a lot of small businesses, it takes three to five years before you really get the traction. A another chapter, I think, in Good to Great. And then finally, you know, the big flywheel starts to turn, and we're and we're really starting to see growth and traction this year. Thank goodness. <laughs> you know what? I love how you put that, you know, the good to great. And also there's, I, I think we talked about this, the Simon Sinek book, the, um, the infinite game. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's I'm reading like, that right now, yeah. actually here at the beach this week. Yeah. Funny you bring it up. And it's, they're very, they're similar in ages. It's thinking the future. You have to put the time and effort. And one thing I want to bring that back is I love how, you know, you transition, you saw we, there's succession happening. You want to bring in new talent, the digital revolution, bring in more, you know, uh, talent that's, uh, more versed in digital age and bring them together. And it's about a team. It's not about uh, vertical. It's all horizontal management. Everybody works together. And that's really prevalent. And really, as I said, the, the uh, epitome of building teams today is everybody works together to rise everybody all together. We rise together. Right. It's not, I, 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 we all know back many years ago, it was very, kind of very vertical. There was a leader and everybody followed the leader. Now everybody leads their own part. Everybody has a, a part in the mission. Everybody has a part. They're, they're, invest, they're vested in it and really changes that to be, take us, doesn't matter the size of the company. It could be a small business to a large business. It's very similar. It's just a scale's changed, you know? Everybody has to work mm -hmm. together. And the vision, and I love that, for that you had a vision when you make a change and the challenge to really take the risk, um, put yourself out there and make a change. And, and also, and I know some days you're like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? Sure. Is this working? Yeah. We all, we all are like that, you question. know? You're questioning yourself. You keep questioning it. And by mm -hmm. the end of the day is you showed up every day. You were consistent. You stayed with the team. You stayed with the mission. And within three to five years, all of a sudden now the fruits are, are now there's low hanging fruits coming and they're growing yeah. and they're there. And now there's time for the pickings and the revenue starts generating. But nothing is, uh, it, you got to put, as I say, you put in the reps. You always have to put in the reps. You always have to put it in and you have to show up uh, and show up every day. And show up for your team and show up yeah. for everybody. And I love that story. And it's, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people listening could see is like, hey, we made a shift. And uh, it was challenging. It, it's doable. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I think you, you're so right. This question of the horizontal versus the vertical organization. Because I talk about this quite a bit at Electrics. Mm -hmm. We are a very 
horizontal organization. And what I mean by that when I talk to people about it is that it isn't the, the traditional structure of Graham is the CEO, he tells people what they do and they go do it. In some respects, it's almost the reverse. Going from being a traditional publishing company to a digital marketing strategy company, I didn't have all of those skills five years ago. And so it was really quite a humbling process for me um, to hire a team of people who are 10, 20 years my junior, but their skill set in digital marketing then um, and even today in, in many areas was so much greater than mine. We really had to become a horizontal organization. In other words, everybody respects each other's skill set. And we had to work very much work together very much as a team. It wasn't gonna be a period of, well, we'll listen to what Graham says and we'll do what Graham says. Yeah. It just wouldn't have worked. And I had to learn a whole new job, you know, and um, I'm past the halfway point in life probably. So having to do that at that age, after having run a company a certain way for 20 years, it really was quite a humbling experience, but I wouldn't change it for the world. It was a great experience. That's what makes great leaders. That's what makes, and you, you just, you're the, you, know, that's, you nailed it. That's what makes great leaders. And well done, Graham. I, I really take my hats because I think a lot of people uh, have that, you know, the, self-confidence and not being able to have the confidence to put themselves out there and take those risks and uh, understanding your skill set, bringing in people, myself as well, even though I bring in people and as I, everybody's a team, everybody's an asset. I invest in those people and I don't know, I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I, I, I realize right. if, if I'm the smartest person I in the room, the then I'm in the wrong room. That's the, that's the, it, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's the way, as we all say, is like, that's a problem. You shouldn't be there. But right. moving, moving forward now to really how, as I said, taking electrics, now you established yourself, what are the services and what merely makes electrics unique in the electronics industry for the component and distribution representatives out there? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I think when we start, made the conscious decision five years ago, and, and by the way, we didn't actually even change the name until 2019. We continued as Ida Media for two or three years before we were ready to make the change. Um, but um, what makes us unique? That was an evolutionary thing. I think we just thought, well, first off, we did some research and we asked existing clients, hey, clearly your needs are changing. What do you need? And their answer was, everything and everything in marketing we need help with everything in marketing so you know that led us to think okay well we'll we'll be a marketing agency um but it really i would say in about the three to four year mark started to evolve into something that has become i believe quite unique and that is our focus on sales measurability and roi um, there's a lot of marketing agencies out there that could do a very, very decent job of marketing for, for any components company. Um, one of the things that makes us unique is that I've made a conscious decision that I'm only going to hire people into the senior team who come from the electronics industry. And um, as part of growth, for example, we just hired Bill Bauman, who some people will know. He's our new VP of business development. Bill ran the entire electronics media group at Penton oh, yeah. up until that was sold about three years ago. So Bill's got 30 years of experience in the industry. Um, and it's that experience that allows the team to very quickly translate the goals of a client into something that actually makes sense in our world. Because we're very different from other industries like software and pharmaceuticals. We've got distributors and reps. We have channels of sales and marketing. Other industries typically don't have those. So our focus over probably about two years ago, we realized, hey, you know what? I think what our clients really need is somebody that's going to give them real ROI on the marketing spend. And so now we've become um, uh, very, very focused on that. Very, very focused. We just put out a case study um, three, four months ago for one of our clients, Schaffner, who make EMI filters. It, that first one took us almost two years to write the case study of how we actually track um, real sales, real purchase orders, real customers tied back to specific episodes in the marketing campaign. 
but we actually did it and and we believe it was a real first so that's become our that's become our unique selling point that's your ben- benchmark now no that's great that's a success to need to share and you're right is creating that awareness out there in the digital age and everything is changing and being able to measure at the end of the day we're all about measurement and i think in our industry some a lot of there's only very few companies that do it well i think a lot of other companies just kind of throw it out there and see if it sticks but they have the name they have the brand or the products and they, that's how they it's, it's all a relationship game at that point but when it comes to marketing and the succession of the changing of digital age and connecting with people, especially now in a pandemic, um, six months ago, we were completely different on marketing side. And that's one thing I want to ask you is how has that shifted and how has that accelerated, say from February to current now, we're almost in September. How, um, how have you guys embraced the change and how are your customers feedback and what are you guys doing moving forward? Yeah, you asked me this question when we were preparing for yeah. this call um, last week, Rob. So I've been thinking about it. Um, by the way, I can't believe it's only six months since you and I met in Austin, Texas. It seems like it was a couple of years ago. It just shows you how much has happened in the last six months, obviously. Yes. But boy, has time flown by. So yeah, I was thinking about your question. What has really changed in the last six months? Mm-hmm. And I think it's this. I think that smart companies are now realizing that what they need to measure is different from what they needed to measure six months ago. Okay, what do I mean by that? Six months ago, I think companies were measuring um, stats like impressions and clicks and traffic and looking at that as, okay, we're, we're getting an audience. And probably they were happy with that because they had the human interface still as part of their marketing plan, like conventions and conferences and travel and trade shows. So for digital marketing, they were happy with um, what I would call lower level metrics, okay? Impressions and stats and things like that, that kind of digital visibility. What's changed now is the, the stat that people wanna measure now, six months into this pandemic is real engagement, conversations, Zoom calls or meetings like this where you're actually looking somebody in the face. All right, we're not in the same room, but we're the next best thing to it. You know, it's these types of real human interactions that smart companies, and we're pushing our clients to do it. It's like, this is what you need to measure. How many of these did you do this week? Because if you're not getting the the prospect to a Zoom meeting, then, you know, it's probably not a conversation that's moving forward. So the old metrics of, you know, web traffic and things like that, I think are very quickly becoming um, a secondary part of the equation. You've got to find a way to have that human connection now. That's got to become the metric, I think, six months into this. That's That's my take. What do you think? I, you nailed it. And I 100% agree. I think we're all in that phase. Um, but I mean, I can just talk to the other side of it, but also as the customers changing. It's like you, you discuss, yeah, everybody should get in front of their customer virtual because you know our sales teams, our control sales teams globally. And we, I've been pushing this for the last year as I've been, um, you, you know, you want to lead by example. And I've been trying to lead by example for the last year yep. with our with the company, the former organization, putting myself out there and being uncomfortable because it is. We, as you say, we're all digital, but Sometimes we don't like the way we sound. We don't like our voice. We don't like the way we look. But at the end of the day, this is the same way we look when we show up for a meeting. Sure. What's the difference? You know, sometimes you don't think about it yeah. that way. You show up the same way. You look the same. You're going to look the same in person or on video and sound the same. Right. But, you know, it's so, but it's also that being, getting uncomfortable. And, but, you know, you can't push it, push because also the customer and the buyers, engineers, and those things on the other side, the OEM or the component manufacturers or the, uh, whatever, the widget manufacturers, medical, where we're going to are, they also have a resistance to get on a video call too. So there's both sides to it. And I think all corporations and all leaders and all businesses at this point is until there is some site of some type of normalcy, which won't be a new, it'll be a new, we're moving forward. We're not going to ever go backwards, but this is, yeah, this is, this is the way, because I think once we can travel frequently visit, there won't be as much as travel, in my opinion, because there's no need because now we have the, we're using the digital product. So you don't have, like, I used to have to travel for a meeting to Singapore. I take fly there 24 hours for a meeting and I fly back. That's for, if it was a relationship building, that makes sense, but not just for have a meeting be present. 
You know, right. that's what I was doing. I was traveling internationally or even travel across the States for six hours. I'm like, wait, we could do this over a Zoom call now. We can just sit there and it saves yep. time, energy, time, time is money, people's time traveling, time for the operation cost, the company. I mean, there's a lot of costs are saved that we can invest in other ways and do more work at it. So I think that's really uh, the digital age has been accelerated in the last six months, as you said, is and everybody getting out of their comfort zone understanding yeah. it and embracing the change and leaning into it instead of standing on the sidelines and just waiting for it to go back to some more mostly in the past and everything's moving forward we're moving forward and that's one thing i love when you've been sharing a lot of stuff you've been content you've been sharing is it's funny is some of these presentations you did a year ago are very present to every the, today's world right you were you had a vision a year ago or two years ago, and now you're taking some of these videos and content. Hey, I told you guys. No, no, it's yeah, kind of like I, I told you so. Predicted the pandemic, you know, I wouldn't be working now. Yeah, right? but, you know, uh, but but overall, you had a vision. You know, your vision as your firm, Electrix has a vision. I mean, that's your. You have a vision that you saw, yeah. and your team is executing a lot of things you want to do and learning from that. But it's also going back to how really. Um, is the feedback from your your customer side from how how is that feedback coming yeah um so i'll share a little um sort of story with you that going back to this we've all got a move forward yeah. idea and i think you're right you're right on there rob so in may this year so think about that that was three months only only 12 weeks into the pandemic so i called all of our clients mm -hmm. and said hey I want to do a round table with you. We're all going to get on Zoom. It's going to be 90 minutes to two hours. I want to have a real discussion with you. I know I know you're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. Yeah. That's not the question. The question, I, the key question from the meeting was this. What have you learned from the changes that you've made so far in the last 12 weeks? Remember, this is May 2020. Uh, and which of those changes are you going to keep when the pandemic's over and which are you going to go back to doing the old way that was the key question um the funny thing was so we had 10 clients on a zoom call for about 90 minutes okay i would never be able to get 10 of my clients in a room um in person you know like pick a city like chicago la whatever the calendars would never have allowed it so this was quite a unique thing to actually get a good chunk of electrics clients all together in one room. So we had the discussion and it was pretty jaw dropping for me to find out that only 12 weeks in, the group was fairly unanimous that for existing business, as you were just saying, if it was a relationship building thing, mm -hmm. sure, you'd make the effort. Um, not that we're lazy, but you do want to kind of get face to face for certain situations and certain conditions. But they had said they'd pretty much decided um, that they were not going back to doing things like QBRs, quarterly business reviews on a, a trip. One of my clients, and I'll leave him anonymous, yeah. told me that, um, you know, they have 10 distributors. Mm -hmm. So they do a quarterly business review. So that's 40 meetings yeah. between him or the RSMs. He was the head of sales, you know, and a meeting on a Wednesday would mean traveling on a Tuesday a hotel on a Tuesday night, um, a two hour meeting on a Wednesday morning, maybe a little bit of social on a Wednesday night, maybe even stay Wednesday night and then fly back. So three days out of his week were shot for a two hour meeting. He said, I don't know why we ever did that. It just doesn't make sense. And, and this is the, uh, the end of the story. He had already gone to his senior management team and he, he shared with us that he had a $300,000 T&E budget, travel yeah. and entertainment. Okay? And he'd already told the management team, um, I want this cut in half next year. Well, who gives up budget? <laughs> but this guy wasn't giving up the budget. He was saying, keep 150 for traditional T&E, because there will be engagement, fresh clients, new faces we want to meet. He said, but the other 150, I want to put that into finding new customers, i.e. digital marketing and things like that. And he'd already made the decision after 12 weeks because he said, you know, he and the CFO had had a discussion. Why, why would we go back? It just doesn't make any sense. And 
And if, if the CFO had had his way, it probably would have been all 300,000 yeah. would have gone uh, would have gone digital. But wasn't that amazing after only 12 weeks that we'd already adapted? Yeah, and I would think a lot of that mindset is kind of a little rare. I think not everybody thinks that way, but it's fantastic because at the end of the day, as a salesperson, you want to build out, okay, this makes sense. I can be more productive. I can do stuff more digitally. And if I can yep. get more of a spend to be able to touch more customers, there's more touch points. If I can have more tools and a more arsenal to have a prospect, to prospect more customers, yeah, it's going to cost, cost money to make money. Is it targeting, you know, start, you know, and to have more that tool set and more knowledge, more training, more, you know, it's right. going to help me produce more revenue. At the end of the day, it's a win-win. Right. Um, it's a win-win for that. And that's one thing I want to take a step back. It's actually a great topic. We're on this with the corporate and the personal and this is what's your thoughts right now between the corporate uh, and personal branding and how those are very synonymous today. How is that? How, how do you feel that with your customers today, creating their personal brand and just not just using the corporate brand? Right. Well, let's take the personal side yeah. first. I think it's been a huge challenge for anybody whose primary role is sales, whether you're a sales director, an RSM, a sales rep, that lack of opportunity to get face-to-face -face with customers yeah. has obviously been a huge challenge. And some have embraced it. And some, um, I was speaking to uh, somebody uh, just a week or so ago, and they were talking about the customers they were going to visit, they were waiting to visit for when the pandemic was over. Mm -hmm. And so my question was, well, how long do you think you're going to be waiting? And there was a bit of a silence. Um, I don't think you can wait. I think you've got to take the bull by the horns because it's not just to your question. It's not just about um, making sales, um, but it is the personal branding, you know, and I've done a couple of LinkedIn sessions yeah. recently on this with ECIA. I think you, you yeah, I used, I used your content and for my team. Yeah. I thought it's fantastic. Anybody You're, else out there should, you should, you should listen to it. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to build your personal digital brand now. You might be well known in the industry, and that's fine for the people that you already know. But what about the people that you don't know? You got to figure out how to do that digitally. And so um, LinkedIn, for example, is a tremendous tool for that. I coach people on taking a second look at their LinkedIn profile and Put a, put a value, value proposition statement there where you put your job title. You'll know where I'm talking about. You've got your I picture, know. you've got your name, you've got your job title. Why put the job title in? You're not job hunting. This is a great place to build your personal brand. Explain to customers, especially future customers, what's, if you're going to connect with them, what's the value you're bringing to the table? Hey, I'm a specialist in design solutions involving connectors, as opposed to I'm the field sales manager for company XYZ connector company. Little things like that, um, but big things like content. If you want to build your brand, you've got, to, you've got to bring people solutions. And I think a lot of people still mistake the word solutions for products. Products are not solutions. You know, ideas are solutions. Um, content on how to change the design of a printed circuit board or wiring or a harness or whatever, that kind of content is a solution. And I think that's what customers, as they go into buying mode, are looking for. That's what they're going to connect with. And that's how you establish a brand with them. It, it, it's, got to, um, it's got to be down those lines. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's uh, creating that content, creating this, because everybody... I think we're just into sharing, resharing information. Because as I said, for myself, from the corporate side, there's the corporate branding companies that you represent or you work for. They have their image. They have, you know, they spend millions of dollars in their corporate branding. They might have videos. But at the end of the day, it's like as a personal brand, you can't just take that content and just reshare it. You have to make it yeah. your own. You have to build yeah. some value with it. And then you share it. I mean, I mean, you repurpose it and share it as your own, not as just sharing. And that's one thing, as I said, LinkedIn for, as you say, LinkedIn is the most powerful networking tool for the electronics industry. Yeah. Out there, I mean, it is. And I would, um, I'd add one more thing to that as well, Rob. Um, you know, I've been super impressed with how you've pulled together this real talk show in such short time. Um, 
you know, the distribution space is very competitive, as you know, but to create that visibility for IBS, if you want to talk about corporate branding, I think what we're doing right now is a fabulous example of how to do it on the corporate level. And in your case, you've combined it with the personal level at the same time. That's very difficult to do. So I take my hat off to you. No, thank but, you. Thank you. Um, the point I want to make is video. Um, I noticed, and people who know me see that I'm, you know, pretty frequent contributor on LinkedIn. My text-based contributions were starting to trend down. And I think a lot of the reason was there's so much content was coming out as the pandemic began. Um, and as I noticed that our visibility was trending down, we decided, okay, well, let's test out video. The moment we started testing video, the numbers shot back up especially the short videos. Um, it's so easy to do right now. Uh, you know, for those of you watching, obviously you see Rob and his team have put together a very impressive setup for the Real Talk show, but you can do this with um, a simple stand, a couple and of lights phone. and an iPhone. Um, if you've got something interesting to contribute, video is just gets so much more interaction on LinkedIn than anything else. So Think video, folks. Yes, and I thank you for that. Like, thank you for your wisdom and as knowledge and experience. Yeah, video. And I remember when we first met in that in that classroom when you're doing the presentation, yeah. the seminar. You're like, and I answered a question. You're like, you're Rob Tabby. You guys should follow him. And that was the I was doing all those videos from my phone. I did it for about almost a year. I made content just looking yeah. at my phone with a little microphone and just a good light. And started with an iPhone. Now we're here, and that's really what I did. And uh, through that, you know, I, I agree 100 percent everything you said. Myself, I invested, you know, we took some of the budget from our marketing or from our trade shows and we invested and built a little studio. And uh, hey, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but at the end of the day, you just need to make mistakes. You fail, you go and you, that's the way you learn. And yeah. I'm not a marketing, I'm a business, I'm a business person with the school for business, everything. I've never been a marketing person. Everyone's like, you're a marketer now. I'm like, well, I think I'm just learning it as we go. And, um, and I am, I am teaching myself. You know, I, I read a lot of books. I watch a lot of videos, and for me, videos or audio books for me really um, are much easier for me because I can do it. I can have the gym working out in the car. I can listen to it constantly, right? You know, and I'm constantly getting this positive feedback. Of course, our shout out to Gary V, which really did that too. As I know you yeah. are a Gary V fan, that's really that's helped right. us. And yeah, he he's a he's a pivotal person in the marketing. Man, people some people not might like him because of the vernacular and the the words that he uses, but he's real and that's who he is. And he, not everybody likes him, but millions and millions of people do like. Maybe some people don't, but hey, you know. But he's got a point out there, and it's yeah. just to put yourself well, out there. You know, he, he was a grassroots guy at one yeah. time. He was just running his father's wine store in New Jersey and was trying to figure out how to sell more wine. Um, he didn't realize, I think, that he was on the front end of a massive wave of digital marketing heavily supported by video. But but look at your case, Rob. Here's a yeah. quick case study for people. Um, the ERA conference was in Austin in the last week of February, February. this year, yes. right? So six months ago. Yeah. So I get to the conference and um, in my LinkedIn feed up pops this video from Rob Tavi. I had never heard of Rob Tavi until the day of the start. And Rob was just basically, do you remember that video? You were just saying, hey, this is the first time I'm going to be here. Just want to say a shout out to everybody. I'm really looking forward to meeting a lot of people. I'm from IBS. We really want to get involved in the community. And uh, I look forward to meeting people this week. And I thought, wow, what a brave thing to do. I'm not sure if I would have the, the guts to go to a conference and just distribute a video like that. But look how fast that's elevated your brand and IBS brand. And I mean this for everybody just to think about what Rob's done through video in the last six months, both in terms of and, and we didn't re we knew about the pandemic then, didn't we? We, we knew it was the beginning. It was the beginning. But, yeah. but I don't think we had any clue. No shutdowns. That was before shutdowns. It was going yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, so call it brilliance, call it luck or a little bit of both, Rob. But you did it. No, we did it, and we're doing it together right now, <laughs> right? We're doing it together right now. That's right. Uh, That's no, right. I love it, Graham. So, you know, I want to take a step back, and we're talking about some of the services and some of you do. I think you brought up sure. a topic before discussion is about the co-ops. And how that's really working. And that's an area that you're seeing as a change is, is happening because of digitalization. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Um, 
something I've been talking about for a couple of years, and um, we'll be talking about it more over the next uh, over the next coming months. This is a point of marketing in the components industry that I think I believe we're going to see some significant evolution happening, um, especially as we go into the 2021 budgeting cycle. Um, Co-op has traditionally, um, uh, and I'm referring to co-op marketing for those of you who are not familiar with just the, the, the brief term co-op. I'm talking about the co-op marketing that happens between component makers and their distributor partners. Um, in 2019, I counted that I visited 26 companies in person and I made it a point of informal research to say, hey, how's your co-op marketing going? And for those that were doing it, which was the majority, the answer was generally the same. I'm not going to get into the stats of it all because I did it very informally. But everybody said, could be better, could be better. Some said, could be a lot better. Um, and I think what they were referring to was what we were chatting about about 10 minutes ago, the old stats of we're getting nice metrics, we're getting um, lots of people visiting our page on the distribution site or we're getting um, lots of traffic to our own site we're getting click-throughs on newsletters we're getting impressions on banner ads but what we can't see is if that is actually having an impact on the business maybe it is maybe it isn't but we can't see that it is having an impact on the business so i've been pushing now for a couple of years uh with uh distributors that we work with, and of course our own electrics clients to really rethink co-op. Um, and I think because of the pandemic, those dollars, those digital marketing dollars, I think going into the next budget cycle are going to come into um, uh, some real focus from the comp comp component makers mm -hmm. to say, okay, how are we going to spend this? And so my message to, to Electrix clients and really to any component maker watching um, is to really take some time this Q4 to, to rethink the co-op piece. And I think it's going to happen naturally. This isn't just because I'm saying it. Um, I think the co-op dollars are going to come under some, some real scrutiny going into the next budget cycle. Because we're typically talking, you know, a lot of money, at least tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. Um, and now that we see what can be done with digital marketing, I think the question in a lot of people's minds and definitely in mine is if you applied some of these newer marketing techniques to the co-op marketing budget, what could we actually accomplish with that? So to give you some specifics, Rob, um, you know, I mentioned the Schaffner case study earlier. It's eminently possible now within digital marketing to tie real ROI real customers, real transactions, real purchase orders back to um, specific marketing campaigns. It's absolutely doable. Um, it's not easy, um, I'll say that, but it can be done. And I think it's really time that that co-op budget um, and those co-op dollars came under the same kind of scrutiny as the rest of the marketing effort. Because often it can be you know, 50% of the total marketing effort, sometimes even three quarters. So this is a piece of the evolution of digital marketing in the component space, I think is is coming very fast. And I would encourage people to, to take a good look at it. Yeah, I agree. I think it was it was on a very macro base uh, in the past, and it's going to get really micro because we have the ability digitally and with the content we've had to measure it and the DNA and the footprint where it went, where it landed, even, I mean, to give you a little analogy, like even our CRM system, I know whoever comes from a website, what company they're from, where they came from, right. where they're located. I mean, if my, our CRM system from a website can do that, what else do you think that marketing can do now? You know, all the, these are things that it's really getting micro. And I think the awareness of understanding it and companies like yourself, um, bringing that to this forefront uh, when doing your presentation, understanding, hey, we can do this and we can we can guide you and consult you what we can do with the measuring all these campaigns, new product introductions. You know, we want to get in the, the eyes of the right. And as I said, earn the seat at the table. At the end of the day, you want to earn your products, seat at the table for any opportunity for any production. And uh, you can do that. Yeah, I mean, th this isn't just something as well that, you know, only electrics can do. Anybody can do this. A lot of the component makers watching this show probably use buddy marketing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, these are the guys that aggregate the data from the distributors mm -hmm. on a monthly basis to identify things like first time buys. Mm -hmm. You can take that first time buyer report now and track it back to um, specific marketing activities in your, in your calendar, say three months prior or six months prior. Every, people can do this themselves. They don't need us to do it. You know, of course, we'd love to help them if we can, but um, it, all the data is there, all the tools are there, the metrics are there, the techniques are there. You've just got to focus a little bit and, and pull it together. And I think, and that's how you grow your business. Once you know where the traction is, once you know where the opportunities are, you just start doing more of it. Yep. That's all it is. You start doing it and you start winning more in the ROI. Everybody says, yeah. what's the ROI? What's the ROI? And as I said, consistency, showing up and evolving are the, name, the main things right now is you just have to show up, you know, and evolve and put the time and the reps and the effort in. And I think all of us in electronics industry and many other industries, but this is where we are in is we all need to just make sure and move out. And at the other day, you can show up and the two biggest search engines in the world the Google and YouTube are the number one and two biggest search engines in the world. You can find anything you want. So right. if you don't embrace change, just go watch a video. And that's one thing I come back to step back is we're all at, as you said, video is much more attractive or the clips, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. I think the consumer end of the phones, of the Instagrams of Facebooks and video, we get attracted to that much faster. So our eyes are getting, uh, actually, we can see some, our psyches are getting used to just watching video. I'd rather watch a video clip than reading two, three paragraphs or a white paper. Yeah, of mm. course, white papers are good for some <clears throat> points, but the video and the value and the service and the connecting with a human or something being out there, and even fancy videos don't do it anymore. There has to be a human connection. In, in my opinion, I think there has to be right. a human. The fancy, schmancy production doesn't make sense anymore. It's just that human straight I'm talking to you, right. you feel me, you empathize, leading with empathy. You know, these are the things that really uh, are, especially today, empathy is big. And I think as well, Robert, I don't know what you think. I think it also has a lot to do with the time of day that you devote to that kind of education. So you said you like audiobooks because you listen to them when you're working yeah. out. Yeah. So the, the medium has got to match the time and the place that people are going to devote time to that and i think that's often why video is is so powerful um i imagine your days probably not dissimilar to mine yeah. it's a million miles an hour when i'm working and so when you want to sit down and just do a little self-education maybe it's at the beginning of the day when you're working out or maybe when it's at the end of the day sitting down with a cocktail yeah. and you know i'm going to flick through linkedin and i'm going to stop and watch those videos but they've got to be one two minutes yes. you know um you know, or I'm going to set time aside at the weekend. If it's 45 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch that. So you've got to understand, I think, as you produce, you choose the medium, the, the place and time that you think people are going to consume it as well. That, I think that's another critical piece. That's good. Yeah, I, I hope our son agree. So as we're getting down to the last final minutes, I have a question I have for you ask for everybody is, what do you see um, in the future of the industry and, and the forefront as we've changed real fast accelerating, but what, what is your insights and what's the message you can give out to everybody in the industry from your wisdom and knowledge uh, from electrics uh, for, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah, you prepped me for this one. So I yeah. gave this one a little bit of thought as well. Um, and, and certainly this is what I'd like to see. I'm not sure if it's really what's, going to happen, but I, but I have a certain amount of confidence about it. So if you compare our industry to the software industry and the pharmaceutical industry, I actually went and looked up some numbers and they're very similar in size. The consumer electronics industry is 1.2 trillion in 2017. It'll be 1.8 trillion in 2024. Uh, Okay, the software industry, I'm sorry, that was the, that was the consumer electronics industry. The software industry, 1.1 trillion. Um, pharmaceuticals will be 1.17 trillion next year. So they're all very, very Hard. similar. Yeah. But if you look at how marketing functions in those other industries, generally speaking, um, generally speaking, it's a lot more advanced. It's more heavily budgeted. Marketing departments are much bigger it's a much more sophisticated effort than we currently see generally in our industry. And I'm emphasizing generally because there are some companies in our industry that clearly are 
leaps and bounds above the rest of the industry in terms of their marketing ability. I think we're going to see a wave of um, advancement um, in technology for marketing, for things like marketing automation, for example. Um, I think we're going to see an investment in marketing teams or outsourcing, whether it's an internal team or an external team. Um, I think companies are going to realize, especially probably driven by this pandemic, which it really forces you to rethink the digital strategy. It's like, how can we invest to grow the business? Um, so I think marketing as a whole is, is probably going to come to the forefront a lot more for our industry than it has done in the past. I think, I think that's probably what we're going to see more of in the next year to two years. I think the margins are there to support it. It just traditionally has not been a big thing. But I think it is going to be a big thing. Because I think this pandemic is, is, has probably got a couple of years' legs on it, unfortunately. I hate to be the bearer of bad uh, news. Yeah, I know. Bad yeah. guy <laughs> in the room sort of thing. But, you know, I don't, I, I don't think we're, you know, close to solving it yet. And I think what we saw immediately in the first 90 days of the pandemic was CEOs and senior managers very quickly rethinking their digital approach to the market. And I think that's why I'm saying I think we're going to see a nice evolution in the how companies go to market digitally in our industry, which you haven't seen before. I could not that's agree with more. No, I I'm right in the same line. Can I agree more? I think you nailed it right there. I mean, I think this is why I love talking to you, Graham. It's like we're on the same love wavelength. Talking with you, I mean, you, you are, you, you are, and it's so articulate the way you explain it and understand it. And I love listening to you. Um, and of course, I think the accent does help too. You're very persuasive in that. It's a, that's, hey, these are the things that attributes that we have, you know, we use them. And I think it's fantastic. So you know? I try telling my kids that. They say, Dad, you've been here 25 years and you still can't talk properly. Oh, <laughs> you know, one day when they grow even older, they're like, maybe, you know, maybe I was wrong. Because as I said, we all, as kids, right. we, all, we didn't realize the wisdom that's out there. Right. I was the same. I'm guilty as charged, you know, as my thought. So, but very good, Graham. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving Thanks, me time. Bro. Even on vacation, give me really, a little bit of time. I really appreciate the the honor and the opportunity to be on. Real and I would love to, you know, keep so it we, going. yeah, I would love to do this maybe quarterly. You know, we do our QBR, sure. we do a quarterly, we, we keep up. I think this is good because, yeah. you know, really well, let's things, have our own quarterly yeah, business. Review. A quarter business, uh, real talk, quarterly business review, you know, and maybe one love day. It. Yeah. Love to do that. So th thank you very much. And as I always leave mine, all my, all my videos is remember everybody be smart, be thoughtful, be generous. Thanks Graham. And see you guys Thanks, all again Rob. soon. Thanks. Real pleasure. No problem. Keep it going, man. Thank you.